Susie Orman wants young people to stop peeing away $1 million down the drain. In other words, cut the coffees. Dave Ramsey believes you can easily save $1,000 if you cut the coffees. David Bach believes you can save your way rich. Just cut your coffees. The question is, is coffee making you broke? Let's dive in. Welcome to Cheers to Your Prosperity, a show where I spill the tea, I mean coffee, on what it takes to keep more of your hard-earned money without sacrificing the things you love. We'll talk about how to use the principles of wealth, money mindset, spirituality, and so much more to enhance your financial skill set. I'm your host, Chiyama Njaku. I'm an 18-year accounting veteran and a financial coach. Here's something else to know. I too have experienced financial rock bottom and I've climbed my way out of it. What I know for sure is that we all 100% have a right to prosper. So with that said, enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Cheers to Your Prosperity. My name is Chiyama. I am your host, and I 100% believe we all have a right to prosper. I asked the question, can coffee make you go broke? Or let me flip it a different way. Can you go broke if you keep drinking coffee? My answer, I'm adamant in this answer, by the way, no. Like capital N-O. And if I really want to go there, Hell no. And if you do know me, you'd know that I've said multiple, multiple times that coffee is not your problem, not your financial problem. So the three people I mentioned, however, of course, are very popular finance gurus, personal finance gurus. And if you've never heard of them, that's okay. Um, It doesn't mean that you're living under a rock. You just don't know them. But they do beg to differ, differ. So Revisiting Susie Orman, she made a very, what I call dramatic, and it caught my attention, claim saying young people need to stop paying away $1 million in coffee. As an alternative, she encourages us, the young people, to save that $1 to $3 that you would normally spend on your coffee and put it into a Roth IRA. Now, if you're not in the U.S., And you're like, what's a Roth IRA? It's a type of of retirement account. Now, one to three dollars of coffee, if you put that aside each day, it would result in about $100 per month. You put $100 a month into your Roth IRA and you continue, you do so consistently for 40 years or more, you will save your way to $1 million. What's the alternative if you want coffee? Make it at home. The second person I mentioned is Dave Ramsey. He has Financial Peace University and what he's also known for within that are his baby steps to help one get control of their finances. Those baby steps, there's seven of them. The first baby step is to fund your emergency fund, your emergency savings, and the amount is $1,000. So along with that, Dave Ramsey wrote an article showing 30 ways that you can easily save your first $1,000. Cutting coffees is one of those 30 ways. So 
So what's the alternative? Make your coffee at home. The third person that I'll mention that, that I did mention is David Bach. I'm a fan of the three of them, by the way. I feel like I should press, preface this. I'm a fan of the three of them. I respect their work. Just because I disagree does not mean I disrespect them, okay? So David Bach spoke to me heavily just because he speaks to some of us who are on the, a little older. I didn't say old, older. For me, I didn't start to get control and, and really understand my own finances until I was in my mid to late 30s. I am now in my very early 40s. Being specific, 42. I don't need to hide my age. I, I'm actually proud of it. So he has a book that I was actually grateful for, which is called, as I'm looking to my right, Start Late and Finish Rich. It's very easy when you're older to think like, oh my gosh, I screwed up. It's too late for me. I, I, I might as well just give up while, you know, it's never going to, my situation won't change. So it, it's always nice to know and be reminded that it's never too late. And I do know this, but just for certain things, it's like, ugh. So here's what he says, though. It's similar to Susie Orman. David Box says, contribute your daily coffee money to a savings account and do so for several decades. Over the, in the, like about 40 years, 30, 40 years, you'll save your way to $1 million. And that's thanks to compound interest. Now, I asked the question, if you keep drinking coffee, will you go broke or can you go broke? I'm going to ask another. If you keep drinking coffee, do you think coffee will interfere with you becoming a millionaire? My answer is also no. I don't believe that you have to pick one or the other. I really believe that you can have your coffees or drink your coffees and uh, get wealthy too. My issue with the coffee situation with the coffee blaming and shaming is that it's not addressing the real issue. And I mentioned that I'm a financial coach and an accountant, and I've been an accountant for nearly two decades. So that means I've looked at a lot of bank accounts, y'all, a lot of bank accounts. I have connected with a lot of people and I've done investigative work. I was an auditor. That was my first career in case you didn't watch the watch or listen to the first episode. And so the one thing I can honestly say in looking at a lot of bank accounts is that I have yet to see where coffee is really the root cause of one's financial issue. So my thing with the coffee is actually going along with that is if it's not coffee, then that means that there are other culprits and that this is what I would like for you all to key into. Other culprits such as, I'm sure you're aware, what about late fees? Or unused subscriptions? Have you considered as business owners, are your operations efficient or are they inefficient? Because that can cost you money. This is a big one. Are you collecting the past due on the past due invoices that you've sent to your clients, customers, patients, or students? In other words, are you collecting on your on money that's due to you? Or are you discounting heavily or not charging for your service or product rendered? So those are the culprits that you need to key into, not coffee. I'm a big fan of the, the book Profit First. I will be talking 
about this book because it made, it made such a big impact in my life. And if you haven't read the book, I really do encourage you to go out and get it and read it. You know what? I might try and have Mr. Michalowicz as a guest on my podcast. Can I say that out loud? It's my podcast. We'll put it out there into the universe. So Profit First, if you have read it or if you've heard of it at this point, you've most likely been told that it is about opening five bank accounts and there's some percentages involved. I'm going to encourage those of you who have read the book or heard of the book to look past the five bank accounts, like look past it because now you're missing the whole point, the whole thing. (laughs) There's some gems before you get to that point and even after. The author, for example, talked about his recovery from his financial fire. He mentioned that he cut the coffees, figuratively speaking, and was still bleeding out after doing his calculations of how his new business was doing. So, and when I say bleeding out, I mean losing money. It it dawned on him that it wasn't necessarily about cutting coffees slash expenses. It was that there were things that he shouldn't have been spending his money on in the first place. One of those bigger things was office space. For him, he wasn't seeing clients or greeting customers. Instead, he was writing books and building a speaking career, which meant he was on the road all the time. So he didn't need an office space. Once he got rid of that, that actually gave him more money, like more money to to play around with. So my question to all of you, are you currently spending money on things that you probably shouldn't be spending money on? And I'll repeat some of the culprits that I mentioned earlier. The late fees, the unused subscriptions. Are your operations as efficient as possible? Are you not collecting your past due invoices? Do you find yourself discounting your services all the time or maybe doing a lot of work for free? Maybe consider that if you're struggling for cash, right? You're struggling for to have money in your bank accounts and you're thinking you need to cut copies and cut all the expenses. Maybe take a look at what's going on behind the scenes as and look at your bank accounts. They'll tell you. Now, here's another issue that I have with the coffee shaming. The cut the coffees is a reflection of someone else's values. It's not exactly a solution. It's someone else saying, hey, you're weird for drinking coffee. That's not what I do in my life. Um, That's why, and I have money, probably you don't. Stop buying coffee. I have to say, you can't tell me how to spend my money. You can't tell me what's important to me. That's crossing a boundary. And I know that's not the intention behind the personal finance gurus, but there seems to be this good expense versus bad expense thing going on. And with coffee being a bad expense, a bad ex- an expense is an expense, y'all. And what matters is it has to give value to you, whatever you spend your money on. If you don't value the thing you're spending your money on, that's a bad expense. So in addition, I said the one thing that Ms. Orman mentioned, sorry, Susie, but I I just got to point this out. She said young people stop paying away, paying away $1 million. Young people, 
There seems to be this implication that young people are irresponsible financially and that they don't know their ass from their elbow. And that's not cool. <laughs> it's not cool at all. So like, it might seem like I'm taking it personally. I'm not really. I'm remembering when I was younger, people are coming to me, would approach me. I'd, I'd ask a question on something and they'd be like, oh, you're young. You wouldn't understand. Like they're dismissive. And like, I'm sure I understand. You probably just don't know what you're talking about. But we can't assume that millennials and people who are younger than millennials um, are just automatically irresponsible. It's an annoying stereotype. I don't know if I'm an old millennial or young Gen X. I can't keep up with these titles anymore. But a person's, again, this is where it's a values thing and a lifestyle thing. Like the coffee culture is just not going away. The way the world has evolved, we have to adapt with the sign, the times, right? So that leads me to another thing. The three people, no offense, I'm not calling you old, you're older. And if I called you old, I'd be insulting myself. I did share my age, right? I imagine that when you were getting started in your career, those people, they were, they had a partner or a significant other that was probably staying at home to tend to the home, rear the kids while they went out and brought home the bacon. At least that's what I think used to be said. And so, yeah, I would imagine as you were getting ready for work, you had someone prepare breakfast, make your coffee. You could sit down with the paper, sip your coffee, and then get ready to go to work. You come home, dinner is already ready. You didn't have to cook it. You didn't have to prepare it. You just sat down, probably had your drink served to you. Yeah, not all of us have that life, okay? <laughs> Households have changed. While the traditional household, traditional as I described, still exists, that title is also evolving. You have single parent households. Um, you have two parents that are working, right? There's a lot of shifts. So I also want to say the coffee statement that needs to shift, that needs to update with the times. And finally, not all cultures vibe with coffee. My name is not American, it's, it's Nigerian. And I'm repping my culture right now. And don't call my culture weird. You're weird to me. So I'm first generation in the US. When I grew up, my parents were drinking tea, not coffee. Coffee got introduced later on in my life, I think when I was approaching the age of 18. Otherwise, we're tea drinkers. Why? Nigeria is a former British colony. My neighbor to the right of me is from India. My neighbor to the left of me is from Germany. A couple houses down, Ukraine. A couple houses on the other side, Ireland. And then of course, there's Americans all around. Coffee doesn't vibe with everybody. We have different, I mentioned cultures, different mindsets, different tastes, different priorities. So my issue with the co coffee shaming is that it's, it's not solving everyone's problem equally. So I feel like we need to expand on what's meant by this. Perhaps watch your expenses. Now that makes more sense and give some examples, but to point the finger only at coffees, it's, it, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. And I think some of you know my story. This is revisiting Mike Michalowicz when I mentioned his cutting the coffees and then you realize that the office expense was actually what needed to go. My, if you didn't listen to the trailer, my first episode, 
I'm going to repeat that for me, I cut the coffees and it didn't stop me from living from paycheck to paycheck or occasionally overdrawing my accounts. So it's really the same thing that cutting the coffees was not addressing the real issue. My issue was also that I was spending money on things that I shouldn't have been spending my money on. And at that time, I was trying to live, trying is keyword, to live in according to the blogs, the finance gurus. I was following that to a T. I'd like to think I'm a really good student. So that could be another episode in itself. So what I want to do here is talk about the real issue. The real issue is, drumroll please, we don't know what we want. And we don't know what we want because it's not safe for us to declare what we want. And why isn't it safe? Because you've got coffee shaming. You already have someone making you feel wrong for your choices. You like coffee, oh, you're just paying money down the drain. What does that do to a person? They feel ashamed, they feel weird, they feel awful. So that's the biggest thing. For a lot of us, what we really want is not exactly in alignment with what we believe that society thinks is right or with what our parents say is right for us or what our neighbors say is right. So it's almost like we're living this double life or living a lie. And when you, get your, when you manage your money according to other people's expectations, that's the quickest way to lose money. That could explain why you're living from paycheck to paycheck because you're not getting your needs met. So that, the obvious question that you can think of, and I'll revisit this later in this episode that is, just start to think about this. What is it that you want, that you want? The second issue that I see with the coffee is there's such a focus on loss. Drink coffee, you can't get wealthy. Drink coffee, you can't grow an emer- have an emergency fund. Drink coffee, you have financial struggles. It's all about coffee is equated to what you're losing, what you're missing out. And that means you're, you're in a scarce, you're in, in a scarcity, right? What does scarcity do? It keeps you losing things. When you're in scarcity you're, and you're trying to present, prevent loss, you're actually keeping yourself in a state of loss. Here's the thing that, that scarcity does too. This is based on my work with clients and also my own personal experience. Scarcity creates feelings of anxiety and fear, which means you're ashamed to look at your bank accounts. So you avoid your bank accounts, which means you probably avoid paying your bills. So you incur late fees, which means that you keep looking for free subscriptions or things to try, then you forget to cancel them. So now you're, you're paying for subscriptions that you don't use. Scarcity actually causes you to lose money. So my question is, okay, with all the coffee cutting, have any of you ever thought about what you gain when you go out to your Starbucks or, or the cafe? What do you gain? Like, what, what do you like about it? Why do you do it? And typically, when the gain outweighs the negative, 
then keep doing the thing that's, that's positive, right? That makes more sense. And then here's the final thing. Um, the, the scarcity produces, I mentioned anxiety, right? There's a lot of fear mongering. Fear mongering is a side effect of scarcity. The fear mongering and, and, and guilt. It reminded me of the recent holiday season and really it's every holiday season. Maybe some of you have seen this, I'm sure you have. There's always someone asking you to donate to the homeless. There's nothing wrong with that actually. There are also ads showing the animals that are abused, neglected, out in the cold, shivering, bloodied up. I hate those ads by the way. And then they always show the kids, kids dying from cancer. I hate that ad too. Why am I talking about all this? I am not a cold person, not at all. I, I am generous but I'm generous on my terms. I don't appreciate ads playing on my emotions of fear and guilt and shame to encourage me to give. That's encouraging me to give from a scarce place, not from a quality place. So, and I, and the thing is, I imagine that a lot of us, not imagine, I know, a lot of us, we want to give on our own terms. We don't want to be forced to give, otherwise be labeled as a bad person. I don't know about any of you. I've, I've had the occasional person asking me to donate. And when I said not right now, they were downright aggressive with it. And I had to be like, so what do you expect me to do right now? Now that you're in my face getting nasty, do you expect me to give to you right now? I'm not going to give to you. Now I'm thinking I'm going to be robbed. So <laughs> nobody wants to give or, or, or just from that place. And that's what coffee, the coffee shaming is associated with, at least for me, it's this whole, if you drink coffee, as I, as I mentioned, you'll be living under a bridge. You will never get wealthy. You're always going to have financial trouble. You're irresponsible. I want to shift all of this because as I've said before, coffee is not your problem. Coffee is not the problem. And I will say this too, in, in this pandesi, also known as the pandemic, the businesses that were opening while others were closing, in my area anyway, were coffee shops. So we need to learn to live with these so-called frivolous expenses because they're not going away. So what are the solutions to this? Remember, number one, when I mentioned that we don't know what we want because it's not safe, it's time to take our power back. So. The most important question I'm asking you again is what is it that you want? Anyone that's read Think and Grow Rich, you'll remember that there's a chapter called Desire. And underneath it, there's two headings. It's your first starting point towards all achievement and the first step towards riches. It didn't say cut the coffees as the first step towards riches. It said desire. So desire is another a simple word for asking the question, what is it that you want? Let me share some questions to think about as you ponder that question. What is it you want or what do you desire? Since we're talking about coffees, what is coffee keeping you away from? In other words, why should you cut the coffee? 
Here's another question. Why should you save your way rich? Here's a better question. What does rich look like to you? Not your parents, not the real housewives of whatever, not your neighbor, not Instagram. What does rich look like to you? And does it make sense to cut the coffee? Just keep it real. Does it make sense? And I'll ask you one more time. What do you want? Now, my suggestion to all of you, maybe take some time to answer those questions. Maybe after this podcast, just sometimes we just need to give ourselves space to think, to really think and assess. If, you, if you're a person who journals, like I occasionally journal, especially on the weekends, grab your journal and your pen and just think. And as the thoughts start flowing, write it down in your journal. Have that dialogue. Now for solution number two, let's say that you know what you want, you have a list, and by the way, you're allowed to change what you want. We are always growing, we're always evolving, we're not static people, so we're allowed to change what we want. You don't have to stick to one thing. So second solution, the opposite of scarcity, prosperity. Oh boy, that was a not so good voice. I'll just say it regular, prosperity. <laughs> wow. Well, see, that's why I'm not a singer. Anyway, I asked this question before. What is it that you gain when you buy coffee? So here's my story. Around lockdown, like we were around 2020 when we were locked down for over where I was, it was two, I think three months we went through different phases of this, as I'm sure all of you have to have gone back into lockdown. But it was then that I really appreciated my going out to buy coffee. The reason why for me is that it was social. It's about community. And, and being social and being in community does not mean like going and being and talking to people all the time. Sometimes you just want to be around people. It does something for me, it did something for my soul. It just, it was just comforting. So the minute my coffee shop opened, I don't think I walked, I ran to the coffee shop. It was a glorious day. Of course, the sun was shining, the weather was warming up. I, I don't think I've ever been so happy to go anywhere. <laughs> and I picked my coffee shop and I walked right in. I was so, if, if I could have hugged them, I would have. I was so happy to see them. But beyond, beyond social and community, um, there were some, were some discussions that happened. It was nice, especially when you're new in a neighborhood or new to a city, it's the easiest place to talk to people in line or otherwise. You start seeing people over and over and over again. You say, hi, how are you? How's your dog? How's your child? How's the job? Like it's just natural, a natural evolution of conversation. The frustrating thing about wearing masks is that I don't know people anymore, but that was something that I really enjoyed when I went to the coffee shop when we didn't have to wear masks going indoors. It was, you've got a chance to know people and, and just, at, you don't have to be best friends, but you got a chance to know people. I would say the barista also, the barista always is, 
is that point person that knows what's going on in the city. So Barista will always say, oh, this is going on, or I'm going to this thing or that thing. And, you're, and if you're not someone that's clued in or keyed into what's going on, um, besides Google, <laughs> the barista is a great person to talk to, to figure out where to go, who to see, why you should do it, what to avoid. And then listen, I, I'm not a person that says no to gifts, even though, you know, sometimes I'll feel bad and I'll say, hey, you don't, it's not necessary, but I like being treated well. A girl wants to be spoiled sometimes. So how about when you're a regular customer, you walk in, the person preparing the coffee sees you, you do your, hey, how are you? You do your white wave in the back or I do. By the time I come up to the counter, once the line is, there's a line of people ahead of me, by the time I come up, my order is ready. Like they know me, they start to know what I like and dislike and that's awesome. Love that, great customer service. All right, for here, now here's the money thing. Because remember, I, I, I mentioned that the focus on coffee has always been about loss. Like, what are you losing? Let's talk about gain, okay? This is where I'm going to blow this out of the water. I have actually gotten clients from going to a coffee shop. And when I said clients, I mean clients who have paid me at least, that means at minimum, $3,500 at minimum. So that means that there are clients that, that people have paid me more. And how did this happen? It wasn't that I went to a networking event and then I said, let's go and meet at the coffee shop to talk shop. It was me going to the coffee shop, minding my own business, most likely going to a yoga class in the process or something. I get into conversation with someone online or in line, not online, but in the line. And they ask what I do. I ask what they do. They go, huh, I could use a service like yours. Or they would say, huh, I know someone who could use your service. Do you have a website? Or I still have cards on me. I mean, people do use them. So I, I, do you have a website or a card? I'm like, sure. So that's how I've gotten some clients. Now, my 10 to $20 per week of coffee, okay, has gotten me $3,500 and that's more than the $100 per month. So I have a lot to put in my Roth IRA, just saying. And I know some of you pay anywhere from $10 to $20 or $6 to $10 to $20 per lead using Facebook and Google ads. I'm going to be a brat here and say, it's interesting how no one will say that a Facebook ad or a Google ad that costs $6 to $10 for some leads per whatever term is not a frivolous expense won't, that you're that you shouldn't trade your Facebook ad money, or that you should trade your Facebook ad money in for uh, saving your way rich. No one, no one looks at Google and Facebook as a as a waste of money. Yet the amount spent on ads is the same as a, a cup of coffee. And I can actually say I've gotten clients versus Facebook. I have to learn that, and I'm not saying it's not useful, and I'm not trying to deter anybody. I'm just saying this is exactly where someone's telling you what's a good expense and what's bad. Google and Facebook ads, good. Coffee somehow is bad. I think I'm making my point there. And if I didn't make my point, well, I think I made it. Ha ha ha. <laughs> All right. The last thing I mentioned here, remember how I mentioned that we're kind of over the getting guilted into quitting things, you know, that the coffee shaming is really like 
playing on our, on our heartstrings and making us feel guilty. Like we're such, we're bad people and irresponsible. Well, it reminded me of a TEDx talk. Every now and then I go on TEDx binges on YouTube. I'll just go to the TEDx um, channel and just listen to a few talks. And I happened to stumble on one one by a guy named Taylor Conroy. I actually ended up subscribing to his email list. The one that, that really caught my attention recently is called How to Build a School in Three Hours. And it's really about getting people, how to get people to donate on their terms. And the reason why I'm speaking to this before I tell the rest of the story is that it had me thinking, hmm, how to get people to save money on their terms? In other words, do you really have to cut the coffees? So Taylor's TEDx talk mentioned a few of his friends and acquaintances quickly raising money and Taylor, his, his mission, he wants to help educate as many kids as possible that otherwise wouldn't have access to education. And so that would mean building schools in parts of Africa and specifically as Kenya and Uganda or India. Those are the places that he mentioned in his talk. And so he mentioned um, his friends and colleagues, sorry to repeat myself, but friends and colleagues easily raising $5,000 in a day. And then he decided to test this theory by, by, I think he mentioned giving away some money or doing a giveaway for the person that can be the most creative and getting people to donate on their terms. I'm kind of like botching up this story, but I wrote some, some notes here. So one person, there was a marathon runner in Canada and she did what, what was like a micro giving. And so her thing was, Donate $4.20 per day for 42 days. And 42 days is a stand-in for 42 kilometers. In other words, the length of a marathon. If you're US bound, that's 26.2 miles. And so imagine, and this did happen, 30 people do this. They donate $4.20 per day. That adds up to $5,292. And that's the cost to build a library in Africa. So Taylor did his own experiment and that's, he likes angel numbers. So $3.33 for 90 days. What he did was send out a text to 33 people. And then he built a website in three hours, hence the title, how to build a school in three hours. Now, how did he, how did he build a school? Well, $3.33 for 90 days or $3.33 would end up pretty much being $100 per month, 33 people. It pretty much amounted to $10,000 and that would help them build a school in Kenya. So that was awesome, right? Let's link this to coffee now because what we saw is that people can and would be willing to donate, I wouldn't call it coffee money, but in a, in a, an amount that could buy one a cup of coffee, they were willing to do it for a certain amount of time. And they did so easily on their terms. But for us, those of us that are told cut the coffees, somehow it's a struggle. Why is that? Why is it easier to donate $4.20 per day for 42 days or $3.33 for 90 days, but we can't do this for ourselves? I would say a couple things. 
number one, it's, there is an end point, right? It's not in, it's not 40 years, but I'm going to hang on to that. Cause I do believe that, that you all can do this for 40 years, but there is a, an end point. So that, so there, there's that. And then also the result, it, it, there's a result, right? 40 years, a million dollars, 42 days, you build a school. And I also believe there's a group mentality here, but it's the same micro giving. I think the biggest difference here though, and this is where I want to tie in the gems. The biggest difference is it didn't require sacrificing anything. It didn't require sacrificing the things that make life fun. You weren't called a bad person if you chose to not donate, right? However, if you choose keep drinking coffee, you're called irresponsible. You're told that you're going to live under a bridge. It's causing your financial problems. If a person chooses to not donate $4.20 or $3.33, okay, no one, no one says otherwise. You're not a bad person. So I want to revisit the three people and their statements as I'm starting to do that now and share that they actually showed how easy it can be to become a millionaire. They did, but we don't hear that because of the fear mongering that's laced into this very easy way to save money. So the fear mongering makes it seem like it's very difficult to save money. I wanna clean that up right now. For starters, if you choose to listen to me, do whatever you want. But in my looking at, at money, because no disrespect them, I'm not sure they've ever looked at other people's bank accounts, except for David Bach. He's a, he's a financial, I don't know if it's planner or I, I, should, I should verify this, but a lot of people that teach money, a lot of the finance people that teach money out there that y'all will listen to and hear, they don't look at money for a living. So they can't exactly validate why a person is struggling for cash. I can. And so I'm telling you, based on what I've seen and observed, I have never seen where coffee is the issue. So I don't believe you have to cut coffees. I 100% believe you prioritize what matters to you. That begins with knowing what you want. Now, if you desire, one of the many things you desire is to be wealthy. I want to tell you, there are so many different ways to get there. Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, and David Bach shared a very easy and passive way to do it. You never have to earn a million dollars in your job or in your company. They said you could save your way rich. So why not try it? It's extremely passive. Instead of cutting coffees, let's try this because there's a micro giving part. You have a kind of a timeline and you have an endpoint, and that's a million dollars. And respectfully speaking, just think about it, $100 per month. Let's just say it's the $3.33. Think about what you spend that's $100 per month. That's not utilities or gas in your car or groceries. You probably spend more money than that per month. Many of you do. There was a time when I couldn't spend $100 per month. I didn't have the money. I was living with my parents and just rock bottom broke. But I made a decision to do something similar anyway. And that was when I took 1% of whatever I was earning and moved it to savings. So you could do that. You can, if, if 1% is like, uh, I don't feel like doing some math, because sometimes I don't either. 
instead of $100, make it $50. If it's not 50, make it 20. If it's not 20, make it 10. The point is do something and just try it. This is just something to try. You can automate this feature. Log into your bank accounts and you could set, I'm gonna go back to $100 to set it to, to, so that it's a bill to, you're paying yourself. Transfer $100 from your checking account to your savings account consistently every month or savings account to your Roth IRA or savings account to your IRA or savings account to some other investment account and just try it. Do it consistently for, for every month. Give it a year, give it two. You would be amazed at how fast your money grows. You'd be amazed at how interest is supporting you with this. By the way, I do do this. You'd be amazed. Momentum starts to take over. And now you're like, oh, okay, this is possible. I'm going to keep doing this. Now, I also believe at the risk of jumping uh, topics, and I will do a better, there's a better teaching about this coming. <sighs> it's your money. Like, let's say you're just, you're using a, a savings account that you have access to. Um, the discipline is to not touch the money. But this is one thing I loved about Profit First. Roth IRA aside, so let's put the, let's put the retirement account aside because that, that's for that. But if it's a savings account, one thing I loved about Profit First is it gave the option where every 90 days you can take up to, up to 50% of what's in your savings account and you spend it on you. So in that regard, you are planning to do something nice for yourself every 90 days and you're not draining your savings account. So your savings account will keep growing. You'll never bottom it out. And you get to practice spending money on you without the guilt and the shame. In other words, you are prioritizing this. See, I told you, read profit first. So all this to say, you don't have to cut coffees in order to build wealth. You can drink your coffee and be wealthy too. So I would love to know what you all think about this conversation. There was a lot of gems dropped in here and, and I hope it made sense. If it didn't, feel free to ask questions. I do hang out on Instagram. So I'll put this in the show notes as well, but my Instagram handle is at mindfully Chiama. Feel free to send me a direct message or when I post an audiogram of this episode, feel free to comment directly there. You are part of this conversation, so your comments do matter. And maybe some of you will be, I might ask you to come and join me on the podcast. Let's talk. Secondly, another thing I'm going to link in the show notes is Taylor Conroy's TEDx talk. Maybe you could pull something from it if you're trying to raise money or just to understand more of what I said about associating the coffees with uh, fundraising. So I'll link that too, since I'm mentioning it. And of course, I'm going to link Profit First. Um, Mike McCallowitz has no idea who I am. <laughs> I do not make any money from referring his book out. It's just something that I, I am so passionate about everyone having a resource because I believe that we all have a right to prosper. So I thank you all so much for listening, for your time, for your thoughts, for your eventual comments. My name is Chiyama, 
and cheers to your prosperity. Talk to you soon.